Fill in this blank. It's up on the screen for you. For me to live is. Now, I knew that some of you would say that, and I should have said, don't say it out loud. Now, that's the right answer. I generally tell you, if I ask a question, it's usually Jesus, Christ, answer. Uh, we're going to read that in the text, but I want you to now, don't say anything, answer this for yourself truthfully. For me to live is what? What is it really that comes to your mind when you think this? If you, didn't, if you hadn't read Philippians ahead of time, you hadn't come in here, how would you have answered? For me to live is fame, riches. For me to live is um, peace, inner peace. For me to live is having knowledge in life. For me to live is to win. For me to live is to have fun. Maybe some of you want to be a world-class hunter, and that's what to live is. Or to be the greatest teacher in the world or maybe for some of you to be the world's best spike ball champion. Whatever it may be, what is it for you in that blank? For me to live is what? Because the way that you answer truthfully is what you truly are pursuing in life. And if you're a Christian, believers are called to live for Christ and if necessary, die for him with our ultimate aim being to glorify God. The scriptural truth this morning from Philippians chapter 1 is whether you live or die, make it your aim to bring glory to Christ. Look with me at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at the very end of verse 18 through 26. The Apostle Paul writes this, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I, will not at all, that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which, shall, which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. The Word of God. Again, we are so blessed to be able to open the Bible, to turn it on, to read these words when there are so many people in this world that are following Christ that don't have this. You have access to the Word of God, and you also, as a believer, have access to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to give us understanding. And so we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, give us understanding from the reading and the preaching of the Word. Paul says, I will rejoice, and we've seen this in the first 17, 18 verses, as he is joyful in Christ. He's joyful in what the church uh, of Philippi, that he knows the relationships that he has with them. And he has this joy throughout the letter, which is this confident joy in the midst of his circumstances. Where is the Apostle Paul as he writes this? He's in prison, right? He's in Rome. He's chained to a soldier. He's there for approximately two years, and he is still rejoicing. 
And so whether he's being persecuted, as we looked at a list of things from Acts last week, or he's in prison, whatever it is, he rejoices in Jesus Christ, who is his treasure. Is Jesus Christ your treasure? Is he the treasure of your life? Because I believe that in the midst of whatever suffering and tri- tri- troubles and trials you face, whatever you rejoice in is going to be your treasure. And so I pray that whatever suffering, trials, persecution you face in life, you can rejoice in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your treasure. And he writes here in verse 19, I want us to pay attention to here, two ways that help him being sustained while he's in prison. Again, place yourself in his shoes. You're in prison for two years. You're chained to a soldier for 24 hours. Again, there's no privacy. You are being persecuted for your faith in this place. And so to think of yourself in that, what is it that sustains you? What is it that encourages you? What is it that strengthens you that you would have joy like Paul does? He says, for I know in verse 19 that through your what? Prayers. It's the first thing that he says. And we saw this the last two weeks. He asked them to pray. He told them to pray for one another. And so through the prayers of the the brothers and sisters in Philippi, uh, he is being sustained. And he writes that God is answering their prayers. Isn't it a glorious thing when we know that our prayers are answered? To pray for something and to see that answered, it brings great joy to us. And he's saying, your prayers are being answered because I'm being sustained in this trial. And so because of this, and through the book of Philippians, we read that God answers the prayers of his people to sustain and protect his church. And so the importance is for you to pray for one another. Just as we saw the last uh, couple of weeks, we saw this, and God answers the prayers of his people to provide when you're in need. Have you ever faced being a time of need, whether it be physically or spiritually, and just praying that God would answer, and then you find out someone prayed for you and God answered their prayers, and you're encouraged. In James chapter 5, the end of the chapter there, it talks about prayer, and Elijah who prayed, and it says in James 5 verse 16, the end of it, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see, the righteous person's prayers are heard and answered. The scriptures say that the wicked person is not even listened to by God. And so the righteous person prays according to the will of God, and God answers those prayers because it's according to his will and his plan. But I would tell you this, you are not alone if you're a follower of Christ. You are not alone in whatever trial that you are facing The Apostle Paul had brothers who would come and visit him while he was there in jail, but times where he was alone, but yet he was not alone because Christ was with him. And also the assurance of knowing that there are fellow believers, distance, far distances away, praying for him. Church, you are not alone in whatever trouble you face today. There are brothers and sisters of Christ in this room, there afar, who are praying for you that God would sustain you. And I just had to say thank you. Because two weeks ago, I asked you to pray for one another, and I asked you to pray for me. And I would say over the last two weeks, I've been so encouraged as people have sent me text messages, emails, talked to me on the phone and in person and said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And I would say the reason why it's so uh, valued to me over the last two weeks is because I've been agonizing over the direction of our denomination and some of the decisions that are being put before us, which is against Scripture and against my conscience as a pastor. 
And so I would lie to you if I would say it's not bothering me. It's constantly bothering me throughout the day. And then to be encouraged and to be strengthened and to know that you've been praying for me, thank you for being faithful, to being obedient to the word of God. Pray for counsel that's coming up in two weeks. Pray for God to work in that situation. Pray for all the pastors that are grieved over this and struggling this. And those who are not, pray that the Lord would move upon their hearts. But thank you for praying. Thank you for praying for one another. As you look around the room, you know that there are people that are going through trials and struggles. Those who are not here today, even that you know of, continue to pray and seek the Lord. The Apostle Paul asked the different churches in the letters to pray on behalf of him and the work he was doing. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30, he says, I appeal appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Pray for one another. And so he is upheld and strengthened by the prayers of the believers. The second way there, look at verse 19. He says, for that I know through your prayers and the help of who? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so not only do the prayers of the believers, God answers and strengthens us, but also by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And therefore, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ helps us in all of our weaknesses. In John chapter 14, Jesus promised and said that he must leave so the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit would come. When you read Acts chapter 2, you see the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers that the helper has come. And Ephesians tells us chapter uh, 1 and chapter 2 that those in Christ are sealed by the Holy Spirit and therefore God the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart and what you need for life in the midst of your weaknesses is the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for daily living. Some of us need boldness. Some of us need courage. Some of us are afraid to speak to another person about Christ. Some of us are afraid because we may lose our job. Some of us are afraid to mention Christ because our teacher or our professor may say something in class. Some of us are afraid because we don't want to mention something to a family member because we're afraid they'll never talk to us again. We need boldness. We need courage by the power of the Holy Spirit to mention the name of Christ Jesus, crucified for our sins, buried, risen again on the third day, and returning one day in glory. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 is one of many examples of the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. Have you ever tried to pray for someone before and you don't know what to pray? And you're just saying, Lord, and you're trying to plead for that person. It says in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in our time of weakness, and we must ask that the Holy Spirit would work. In verse 19, he says, These two things will turn out for his deliverance. In verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The deliverance he writes of is not just to be set free from prison. 
He's not speaking of getting the chains off and getting out and being uh, free again. Uh, he writes of this life and death situation. But in the midst of his suffering, it says he has eager expectation. He has this intense anticipation, an anxious longing that he's fixed on one thing, and that thing is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is this eager expectation, whether in life or in death, that Paul looks to in the midst of his suffering. And as you look here at verses 19 through 20, uh, he is wanting to honor Christ in everything that he does in all of life. And when you read, if you turn with me over to the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, we can read that the only type of life that honors Christ and glorifies Him is one that fears the Lord and obeys Him. If you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, you need to read that this week because in Ecclesiastes, everything in life is covered and everything that's mentioned, it says, is meaningless, is worthless uh, apart from the Lord. And so after the writer sums up all these things, here's what he says at the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That sums up living for God, living for Christ, as he says that this is something that is gain. And so ask yourself this this morning. I wrote these questions down for myself this week. Do I honor Christ above every single thing? Ask yourself that. Do I honor Christ above every single thing? And then I had to write this down because I know I'm tempted to do so. I said, do I care more about my glory than Christ's glory? It's a great question to keep us humble. Do I care more about my glory or Christ's glory? And the way you examine that is you look at how you spend your time. You look at how you spend your money. You look at the relationships you have. You look at your life and examine, are all things in my life done to honor Christ or not? And I can say that there are time and time again that I fail in this. My desire is to honor Christ in every single thing, but I have to constantly ask myself these questions. Do I honor Christ above every single thing in life? Do I care more about my glory or Christ's glory? Paul teaches us, though, as we honor Christ in all things, the Holy Spirit is the one that will give us courage in life or death. Look at verse 21. He says, For to me to live is what? Christ. Now you can answer it. Some of you called it out early. For me to live is Christ. And you say, okay, well that makes sense, but what does it really mean? What does it mean to live is Christ? Well, if you look through the whole letter of Philippians, some of the things that we learn that the Apostle Paul teaches us, some that we will look at in the weeks to come, is to live Christ means to die to my selfish desires and live to serve others for the name of Christ. To live Christ means that I live united to Christ and that Jesus is my everything. To live Christ means that I live by daily depending on Jesus for every single thing. 
And to live Christ means I am growing daily in the knowledge of Christ through God's word and prayer. Growing daily in the knowledge of Christ through the word of God and prayer is so important if we are to live Christ. You in the word of God reading it. You meditating on the scriptures. You memorizing them and hiding them in your heart. You seeking the Lord in prayer throughout all of your day. That is so vital and so important if you want to grow in your understanding of what it means to live as Christ. If you want to know how to glory and honor God, then you need to spend time in his word. Romans chapter 6 verse 10 through 11 says this, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. As I read that passage this week and spent some time thinking about it, it's like, oh, I need to reflect on this. If I really want to know for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, I need to understand Romans 6 here. And that only came because I, was, I, I came to this passage. It's like, oh, I need to read this. And the more you study and you read the Word of God, we grow in Christ and our understanding of Him and understanding more of how to live is Christ. Turn to chapter 3 of Philippians. We'll come to this in a few weeks. But one of the things that Paul helps us understand is your life in Christ and living Christ uh, is a process that will be never fully realized in this life until we're with Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says this living for Christ is every single moment that you have now until you see Jesus. So if Christ is a return for a number of years, or if you live uh, during that time and you uh, die years later, Every moment is to be lived for Christ. Some of you may not be here tomorrow. What are you going to do between now and tomorrow morning to live Christ? Every moment, every breath, every thought, every second counts in this time that God has given you. Will it be living for Christ? Look at the second point here, dying for Christ. We have to ask the question, what about dying? Death is a real thing. One out of one die. It's 100% proven. I was reading through a list of people who died for the name of Christ. The bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, was burned at the stake for refusing to renounce his faith in Jesus. Again, imagine being tied to a stake and set fire and being burnt to death because you will not back down from saying that Jesus is Lord and Savior. A young woman named Perpetua and a few other believers were executed in the arena in Carthage for refusing to renounce their faith in Jesus. The bishop of Antioch, he was also a disciple of the Apostle John, fed to wild beasts in the Colosseum for the name of Jesus Christ. 
William Tyndale was strangled and burnt because he was translating the Bible into English. These are just four well-known names. But what about the thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of Christians, maybe millions who have lost their life, who we don't even know their name because they refused to back down from those who would say, turn from Christ, deny Christ and you'll live. Instead, they were willing to suffer and to die for the name of Christ. Verse 21, for to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And some people may ask, how in the world is dying going to profit me anything? And so I wrote down this in my wrote, notes. I wrote down dying and then I put equals gain. It means everything to be with Jesus. After physical death in this world for the Christian, you are with Christ for eternity. Scripture teaches us that when you, as a believer, if you die today, your soul goes to be with Jesus Christ. Your body goes into the ground. And there is a day when Christ returns and he glorifies his people. And so your, your body will be raised from the grave, perfect, and your soul, perfect, without any sin, joined together and glorified for eternity with Christ. But do you see why it's a, we, we get tired of this world, don't we? Our bodies break down, don't they? We get sick. We get tired of all the sinfulness that we battle with, the things we see in this world. And so we long, as Paul does, to be with Jesus. Jesus, just take me home. Some of you have had days like that this week. Jesus, just take me home. I'm tired of this. And this is where Paul's at. And the truth for the believer to die is gain. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 something important for us as we suffer in this world. The Apostle Paul says in verse 18 of Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is be, to be revealed to us. We have no idea, church, what it's like to be in the presence and the glory of God forever. It's a longing of our heart but we still can't fully understand it until we're there at that moment. And so to die is gain is about eternal joy that's ever growing and never ending in the presence of Jesus for eternity. In 1 John, John writes in chapter 3 to the believers, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be, speaking of the future, has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Paul knew that if he died, he would be with Christ. What a glorious truth to be reminded of. The thief that hung on the cross next to Christ as Christ was on the cross. He says, when you enter your kingdom, remember me today. And Jesus promised him and said this in Luke 23, 43. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in where? Paradise. When a Christian brother or sister breathes their last, we may be grieved here, but they are filled with an eternal joy of the Lord. 
as they enter into the kingdom of heaven with Christ. And so the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, he says in verse 8, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, here's the key, we make it our aim to please Him. We could talk all day long about the glories of heaven and the troubles of earth. But here in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he says the same thing in Philippians. He says, in all, in whether I die or whether I live, I make it my aim to please God, to glorify Him. Is that the goal and aim of your life? If it's not, you need to radically change your thoughts today. You need the Lord to put that before you. Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. Let me ask you this. Are you prepared to die today for the name of Christ? You may not be called to die for the name of Christ, but are you prepared to do so? If people came into this room and they brought guns into this place and they held it to you and said, deny Christ or die, would you stand for the name of Christ? Or maybe even more challenging, they take one of your family members and put a gun to them and say, deny Christ or your family member dies. Can you stand for the name of Christ or not? We think we live in a safe country. This happens around the world, church. People die because they love Jesus Christ. Their children, their family members are murdered before them because they love Christ. And I'll tell you this. The only way you can stand for the name of Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus promised the disciples, when you are on trial for my name, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And so do you see why we need to pray? And we need to pray for one another as we face whatever type of persecution that the Holy Spirit would fill us up and give us boldness to stand for Christ. Can I say, kill me and I'll be with Christ. Let me live, I'll live for Christ. Is that really the answer that you can give from your heart this morning? The last few verses bring, verses bring us to this third and final point here of a great dilemma. Some of you have great dilemmas in your life right now. They could be as simple as my dilemma. Do I want the rack of ribs or do I want the New York steak? Do I want to go do this or that or have fun here or those things? But think about the serious dilemmas that some of you are facing now. Do I choose to seek out a career, a career that I love or one that pays well? Isn't that a challenge? Do I decide to forgive someone who has wronged me or hold on to anger and resentment the rest of my life? How about... Do I get married or remain single? Do I risk um, to pursue all my goals and dreams or do I stay with what is safe, what is secure, or what's best for my family? I mean, we could go on with the list of dilemmas that people face in this world. And Paul's dilemma is a good one. But it's real. You read the struggle that he has here. He says in verse 22, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. 
Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. For him, it's a win-win situation, really, is what he lays out here. But he has this struggle. He wants to be with Christ, but he also wants to be used by Christ. Is that your dilemma today? I pray that it is. I pray that all of your other dilemmas get put to the side, and the dilemma that you face today until the day you're with Christ is, oh, I want to die and be with you, Christ. But... I also want to serve you, and I want to be obedient, and I want to be a, a blessing and minister, minister to the body of Christ. I pray that that is your dilemma for the rest of your days that Christ gives you. Paul asks in this question, do I want to be with Christ, or do I want to produce fruit in Christ for the church? Either way, he's pointing out to the church that this is a good thing to wrestle with. This is something that we should all wrestle with. His desire is to be with Christ. The word depart there means to pack up and go home, to raise the anchor of the ship and head back to port. And I think that sometimes the temptation for believers, for Christians, is like, I just want to go and walk the streets of gold. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to have any more physical pain. I just want to be there in heaven. Wonderful things. We long for that. But I think there's a temptation to long for those things instead of being with Jesus. Being with Jesus is greater than the streets of gold. Being with Jesus is greater than having some mansion made for you. Being with Jesus is greater than anything you can think or imagine. Being with God who gives you life and breath that is greater than all the descriptions of heaven. That's the picture what Paul is saying. He's not saying, I just want to die and go walk the streets of gold. I just can't wait to the new heavens and the new earth. No, he says, I want to be with Christ. Let that be our prayer this morning, that we want to be with Christ. And so his desire is that. His decision, though, is interesting, verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account and so he's settled in his heart to live in prison for the sake of the church. And if you read the epistles, the letters he wrote while he was in prison, oh, what a great treasure for you and I today. Because he wrote what the Holy Spirit directed him to write, word for word, God's words for us to live by. It's glorious that we have these things. I mean, imagine if he died before writing these things that God would have for us. God has given you these wonderful truths because he was faithful to live for Christ in the midst of his suffering. And so God has ordained the body of Christ be ministers to one another. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been given spiritual gifts, and they're not just for you to think about, they're for you to use. So here is the test if you left this church today, would anyone even notice, oh, they're gone. That person has a gift of service. Oh, that person, you know, and see how that person ministered to those people well. I mean, that's one of the things to ask yourself. It's like I ask all the time, if this church closed its doors today, would this neighborhood even care? Would this neighborhood even know that there's a church here? The same thing for you as a believer if you're gone from this place today, would the church even know you're gone? Or would they know you as, oh, that's the person who sat up in the front row in the third chair over. I don't know their name, 
But they were here a bunch. Church, you are to live for Christ, to use the gifts and abilities and strengths that God has gifted you, not for your purpose, but for God's purpose in the church. And so your greatest gift may be encouragement. And all that you're able to do is write the best encouraging cards to the body of Christ. Then write a number of cards and mail them out to people. Get them in their hands and encourage that brother and sister in Christ. Some of you, it may be literally going and digging or filling up a hole. There are some brothers here at the church that have dug some holes on the side of our house and filled it back up because I couldn't do it with a shovel and a pickaxe. So there are some of you that are so gifted in so many different ways and God is directing you to live for him and use those gifts until the day you're with him in the body of Christ. We must pray that we would be faithful to do so. Let's look at the last two verses. Verse 25 26. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress of and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This picture of glory to glory in Christ, as we bring this all to a close here, means to surrender all of your desires and all of your ambitions to the will of God. I'm sure if I passed out a sheet that all of us would have a list of things that we desire ambitions that we have, goals and things we would want to accomplish. And what we are learning from this is we're to lay it all before the cross. We're to lay all those things. You know, I think about this time of year and graduation for high schools coming up and, and high school students thinking about where they're going to go to school or what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And some are super ambitious and they've got all of these things set in line. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. They're excited about them and what they're going to do. And those things need to be laid at the cross of Christ and say, Lord, if you will, that I would do those things. And some of you, in the midst of your career right now, or you're looking towards retirement, whatever it may be, what is it that you have planned and set that Christ is saying, no, this is where I want you to be? But to glory in Christ means to surrender all your desires and all your ambitions to His will. To glory in Christ is to live your life in a way that brings honor to the name of Christ daily. Ask yourself this. I wrote this down for myself. Do others glory in Jesus Christ because they see Christ in me, the hope of glory. If I had a line from that wall to this wall in this room, and it's just say that line just kept going to give you a picture of eternity. If we thought about eternity and we think about our time here on earth, little tiny dot, this line going both ways, little tiny moment that God gives you, days, weeks, months, years, maybe just moments, in that little tiny blip in all of eternity, what will you do with that time? Some people will describe it as looking at a, at a headstone there at the cemetery. You've got a birth date, and you've got a death date, and you've got a dash in between. That little tiny dash, what does that mean for you to live as Christ? What is it? If you can say today, life is Christ then you can also rejoice that saying dying is gain. If you cannot, 
and dying is not gain, you need to be saved. You need to be saved from sin and from death because in the garden, when Adam sinned, sin was passed down to all of us, to all mankind, and we purposefully and joyfully sin against God, and God is holy, he's just, and God who is holy and just must punish sin. And that punishment is death. It's eternal death, the wrath of God. But God is loving and God is merciful and God has poured out his grace in his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was born and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned once and therefore when he went to the cross, the perfect sacrifice, ending all sacrifices that could ever be given because he was perfect and sinless and his blood was shed so that he could purchase his people for himself and that by his blood, his people would be set free from sin and death and the judgment of God. And he took the wrath of God the Father and he died on the cross and Jesus Christ, who was placed in the tomb on the third day, was risen from death to life. Amen? He's ascended to heaven where he's ruling and reigning and he will return one day. And he will bring judgment for all who are not in him. And for all who are in him will be with him and glorified for eternity. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. If you are in Christ, live for Christ. If you are not in Christ, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he goes on and says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray this morning that every one of you would spend your life on Christ. I pray that that would be what marks your life, what people speak about after you die. And I pray that glory would be given to God in everything we say and do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may you give us the same conviction this morning that we read of the Apostle Paul. Would you give us the same conviction? Would you give us the same passion? Would you give us the same love for Jesus? Would you help us and empower us to spend our life on you? Father, I pray that as we go from this place today, as people gather together, that we would go from here ready to live or die for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.